Hello, Bethel fandom. Welcome to Keep Singing and All Bethel and also some Beth Green and also some Daryl Dixon podcast. I am your host, Dynamic Symmetry, also Sunny, again, as you probably already know. And this is part two of kind of a two-parter episode focused entirely around Bethel Smut Week. Last time, I covered a bunch of things that I asked people to send in regarding what smut means to them, what they like, what they don't like, uh, what they feel is important about it, and I'll be doing the same thing today. I have a few more things to kind of read and then respond to, I guess, kind of like how I do. And then I'm also going to be reading a fic, uh, which is, let me make sure I actually have it open here. Yes, Just Like a Stranger, Just Like I Am by Deary Girl and Open Hearts. One of my very favorites. I mentioned last time that it is one of those kind of horrifyingly magical fics that somehow manages to do slow burn in about 3,000, slightly over 3,000 words. It's 3,211 words long and it's slow burn. I need to emphasize that this is just, yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, And it's beautiful, which is one of the reasons why I'm going to be reading it. So I'm going to get to that. Uh, You will probably hear periodically a weird noise. That is a space heater going on because I have been trying to get my heat fixed for the past, uh, I think like half a week now. And it's like 20 degrees outside and the guy keeps coming to fix it and it keeps being broken and the guy keeps coming to fix it and it keeps being broken. I think we're in round three now. They were here this morning. Supposedly it was fixed. It's not fixed. So it's freezing in here. So you're going to have to deal with the sound of the space heater a bit. I apologize for that, but I don't love you enough to be cold. Moving to the wrecks. I have a bunch of those to read. I had to split them up, actually, just like I split up the whole episode because there were so many. I'm going to start with All That Remains by Swift Snowmane. I know for a fact this is on AO3. Apparently it's also on FF.net. Either way, it's it's definitely on AO3. Another one of those fics I think a lot of the fandom knows about for a lot of different reasons. Really good, really beautiful prose. I'm guessing that most of you have read that, but if you haven't, take a look at it. If you have read it, maybe go reread it. Hold My Words, Keep Us Together by Open Hearts, also on AO3. I've wrecked this before, but somebody sent it in, and I'm going to wreck it again. It's another one of my very favorites. I mean, I like just about everything Open Hearts writes. Yeah, it's great. It's hot. Go read it. I shouldn't even have to say anything else. Uh, From the Ashes by Melissa Alexander. This is one I haven't read. Uh, I'm now very interested in reading it. It's a post-alone canon divergence, work in progress with some good smut scenes, this person says. I... I have been, this this week, I have been writing a lot of post-alone canon divergences. I can't seem to get out of the funeral home. So I, I just, I think it's kind of fun that a couple of these are that. There's just something about that that I think, uh, you know, gives you a lot to work with. Prevaricate by Pleasantly Demented, another one I haven't read. This is apparently a post-coda fix-it. Always good. Work in progress with very good smut. And it's slow burn. And I know that slow burn isn't everybody's thing. Some people find it frustrating. I love me some slow burn. Uh, I love when people just jump into things, but I mean, personally, I feel like slow burn is the most in character way of doing this. And also, I just love it when people hold off and hold off and hold off and hold off. And then when something finally happens, it's explosive. So there's that. Plenty of three. Uh, How polite, how imprudent, which is apparently one of the, another fic that like everybody in the fandom knows about believe it or not and this is like embarrassing to me i didn't know about it i hadn't read it 
Genrin on AO3, and also O, same author. I hadn't read either of those things. I have no idea how this is possible, but I did go read it. And yeah, if you're like me, if you're new, or if you're just oblivious, go fucking read that right now, because Jesus Christ. And finally, and, and these are these are two of my personal favorites. We Love More by Fate Than Design by The Vampire Cat, Punky Nemo on AO3. And I love that because it's one of the few really, really great femdom fics I've read. And it's incredibly emotional. And it's, it's like, it's really sweet. It's really hot. It's really powerful. And I love smut that is also emotionally powerful. I mean, I love smut that's just ridiculous. And, you know, the emotions are there, but they're just kind of silly. But, but this is really beautiful, too. So I highly recommend that. I recommend that actually if you don't think that you really like femdom, just because I think that there is so much there besides the femdom that really works well. And I think, you know, maybe it's sort of femdom for people who don't normally like femdom. So there's that. And then finally, and I fucking love this one. It's It's gotta be in my top ten. I don't, ha- like, have an official top ten, but if you put a gun to my head and made me do it. This would this would be on it. Uh, Reflections, also by the Vampire Cat. And this is another one of those. And, you know, I think it's just this author. Because I've never read anything from this author that wasn't this way. It's another one that's incredibly emotionally powerful. And, I mean, it, it has to do not just with sex, but with something else that I really like when it works into sex with these characters, which is kind of healing or changing your relationship with your body. And I think that this is something that we see a lot with Daryl because I think it fits perfectly with Daryl's character. But this is actually more from Beth's end. I love that because it's unusual and I love it because it is incredibly well written and it's just really fucking hot. So both of those are in AO3. Go read those. Pretty much read anything by that author because Jesus. I read some of her stuff before. I'm probably going to read it again. I may read one of these now that I've gotten into reading Smut, which would be really fun. That's it for Rex. Ah, space heater. That was seriously great. I'm so glad I at least have this. I might go make a fire later. Oh, God, it's so cold. All right, moving on. I'm going to get into the second part of the things that people send in sort of to spark discussion. I ask people to say what they particularly like in their stuff. And, I mean, this is such a general question, and I think that my general sense, anyway, is that People, to a significant extent, aren't that picky in terms of, look, just give me anything as long as it's well-written, which is kind of how I feel. If I know that it's well-written, I'll try it at least. I mean, again, that's like how I got into Daddy King. Thank you, Molly. Jesus Christ, why did you ruin my life? Um, I knew that it was well-written, and I wanted to take a look at it, and I did, and it ruined me. So I asked people what they particularly like, and I got a couple of interesting answers. First of all, I like fic that gives Beth a lot of agency. Yes. This is something else I think I, I, I touched upon last time. And it's something that I think is so important. Giving Beth sexual agency when you write things like this. I mean, first of all, I think that it's in character. If, if you remove Beth's agency, I don't think she's Beth anymore. Or at least she's Beth in a very different context. I think that you could write a Beth without a lot of agency. And if you're very skilled, I think that you could write her without a lot of agency and, and make it still in character and make it make her recognizable. You would just you'd have to background it in a really particular way. 
that I think would require a really deft hand. But for the most part, I think if you remove her agency, and especially if you remove her agency sexually, she's just not her anymore. So it's fix that play that up in terms of sex are great just because it's great to see it. It's great to see smut where women have a lot of power. Uh, where women are the ones kind of, you know, setting the stage and setting the pace and deciding what's going to happen and, and really owning their own pleasure. I think that's great. And here's one of the things that I think is really cool about that, uh, specifically in terms of Beth, although I don't think this is by any means confined to this character. I mean, you can do this, I think, with any character. Beth having a lot of sexual agency, even if on the surface she's not the dominant one in what's going on. And I've... You know, I've done this in my own kink fix. I've seen it in other kink fix. This is something that when it's done really well is, is really cool. Where Beth is not the one who appears to be dominant, but she's really the one who's controlling everything. And if she's being submissive in that moment and Daryl's the one being dominant, it's not in character to have Daryl do something to her that she doesn't want. Not intentionally. You know, accidentally is, is something else. And that can be interesting to write. But he would never push something she didn't want, ever. If she told him to stop, he would stop immediately. And then probably be upset, because, you know, he doesn't want to do anything wrong. Poor baby. So, to shut up about that. Finally, um, this is the comment again. I am always a sucker for nervous, angsty Daryl going down on Beth. Oh my god, fucking yes. And that's great, because... I mean, I just mentioned... You know, D- Daryl has this... I think it's totally in character for Daryl to have this thing where, oh, God, you know, this is so important and she's so special and I love her so much and I just want to make her feel so good all the time and what if I fuck up and what if I do the wrong thing and what if she doesn't like it and what if it's not good enough and then what if she doesn't want to do it anymore and then what do I do after that and I just can't fucking live without her and all I want to do is be with her all the time and I just can't bear to mess this up. I just can't bear to mess this up at all. That's... I mean, that's kind of him. He's a twitchy motherfucker. And... This is actually something I just finished up writing because I got a, I got a prompt for it. And I love it when I see it in other fix. It's so cute. I think, I think sexually confident Daryl is fun. That's actually something else I wrote this past, uh, this past week for Bethel Smut Week. This is something else that, uh, just to mention an author who I really love, this is something else that Schwoozy slash Molly does really well. Either way, uh, I've, I've seen her write really great, sexually confident dominant Daryl and I've seen her write just completely awkward alarm bells going off can't handle anything Daryl I think again it is most in character and it's just glorious to have just to have Daryl be a wreck when it comes at least to his first time with her I I think he would be so hesitant. I think he would be so terrified of doing something wrong. And I think this is especially the case if you buy into the idea, and it's an idea that I think makes total sense, that he is not tremendously experienced. That if he has had sex before, that it wasn't really enthusiastic in any significant way because he probably didn't care about that person very much. I can't see him as somebody with a romantic-slash-sexual past. It, it's very hard for me to imagine, you know, that, that there's some kind of secret backstory with him that will be revealed at some point in the future, where he did have this one other passionate romance, and then it was over, and then he's never had anything since then. It, I, that doesn't fit him. And I just... I, if, if it turned out that he had, like, a fulfilling sexual relationship in the past, I would I would 
I would get I would get pissed at the writers. Like that would be a situation where I really get mad at the writers. As much as I've been mad at them in the last two seasons, it would be a less big deal than a lot of the shit they've been doing. But it would be, I think, in a lot of ways, such a deep disservice to a character I really care about. And and that's that would be especially upsetting because I think that Daryl is one of the characters who is written most consistently in the show. Uh, a number of the characters are not written entirely consistently. A lot of them are, actually. And just to, to step away from, from Smut for like two seconds and, and, you know, be complimentary to the show, the show does a lot of things that I think aren't good. I, I think that the writers struggle with plot and the show struggles a lot with pacing and it's related to their plot problem. One of my biggest issues with it in the past two seasons, uh, well, mostly in 5B, but so far in 6A also, is just that they, their pacing sucks. They just don't know how to do it. One thing that they do really well, and I think that they've, for the most part, done it really well since the beginning of the show, with a couple notable exceptions, Andrea being one. The writers do character really consistently, and the decisions that they have characters make, again, with some very particular exceptions, make sense and work and are interesting. So this this is something that I, I feel like is true in general, but I feel like it's especially true for Daryl. They've written him very consistently, and I, I think that Daryl's sexual history is a part of that, and I think it's especially a part of it given that, like I've said before, he doesn't appear to have one. And it's so much the case that I feel like it's intentional on the part of the writers. So, just to kind of swing back around to where I was a million fucking years ago, I I, I think that Awkward Daryl is so fucking in character because I just don't think he knows how to do very much. And it's not that sex is complicated. Like, I think he could find the clit. I don't think he would struggle with that. My, my general sense is his understanding of anatomy is pretty good. But he, he cares he cares so much about Beth and about getting things right, I think, that I think he would just be incredibly nervous. And I think that's so cute. And one of the things that I especially love when it happens in Fick where he's all nervous is when he's going down on Beth. I, for the most part, actually haven't written him this way. Uh, I've written him being incredibly nervous about other things. It's just not something I'm inclined to do. It's not that I think it's out of character. I don't think it's out of character at all. It's just not what I do. But I think it makes sense for him to be. And especially going down on her. And it's, I think that he would really want to. I think that it would, he would really want to. And I think it would, it makes sense for, for me for it to end up being like his favorite thing to do, which is great. And, you know, that kind of might be just me idealizing someone who's already my fave. Something that I and a lot of other people have said about Daryl sexually is that he is so focused on other people, and you see this in the show in, in every way. He's focused on other people, I think, partially as a survival mechanism. Uh, I think I think that it makes sense for him as an abuse survivor to have to be very focused on his surroundings because he has to be able to respond quickly to protect himself and very, very attentive to the moods and desires and needs of other people. It's wonderful because it's sweet because it means that you can see he cares deeply about people and he wants to provide for people and he wants to make people feel good when he likes them. It's, it's really important to him. He does all kinds of little thoughtful things for people. Things that it wouldn't occur to other people to do. And he does them with so much genuineness. He's so sincere when he does them. 
I mean, the the whole thing with the Cherokee Rose in in season two. I can see other characters doing something vaguely like that, but I can't see any other character doing it exactly the way Daryl does. So it's sweet, but it's also kind of heartbreaking because you know that one of the reasons why he's that way is because he needs to read somebody so that he can defend himself if necessary. But I, I think that what this means sexually is that he would just be so focused on the other person's pleasure. I think that he would not think about himself first. And I don't think that's idealizing him. I think that's how he would be. And I think that's also kind of heartbreaking because I feel like he wouldn't necessarily think that he was deserving of being the focus. I think that he wouldn't feel like his own pleasure was important or as important as this other person's. Which is, again, kind of kind of sweet and sad. And one of the things that I love when I read it, and one of the things I love writing, is where Beth has to kind of remind him, you know, no, you deserve to feel good. You deserve to have things be done to you. Uh, you know, you don't always have to be doing everything to me. One of the other things that I really love writing awkwardly, it's one of the few things I do write awkwardly when I write sex, is when she's going down on him. Of all the things that they could do together, I feel like he would struggle with that the most. Because because of what I just said. Because it's something where his partner is just so focused on him. And he, I think, would have a very hard time with the idea that, that somebody going down on him would be enjoying it too. They would just be enjoying it on a different level. Uh, kind of for the same reason that I think Daryl would love going down on Beth. I think Beth would just absolutely love going down on Daryl. It's kind of my headcanon that, you know, she's she's a good girl. She's not a good girl with a capital G. I, I think I've mentioned that I think that's hot when it's done well. But, I you know, she's she's a she's a nice Southern Baptist girl. Um, you know, she grew up in a it doesn't seem like the household she grew up in was oppressively religious. Herschel never comes across as somebody who's, uh, you know, a Bible-thumping fundamentalist. He just comes across as somebody who has a very deep faith. But she grew up in a religious household. She probably grew up with this idea of sex as a particular thing. I don't think she would feel any shame about sex. I just don't think that fits her character at all. She doesn't feel shame about anything. She's just exuberant sexually. And I think that's actually always, with a couple of notable exceptions, <laughs> that's, that's, that's almost always how I write her. And it's usually when some, I really love something, that's how I see her written. It's how I think she's most in character. But I think that it makes sense for her to be to be a nice girl. And one of the things that I think is cool about that is that I think you can write her as a nice girl and have it be in character. And you can also give her the seriously wicked side. Like, she's mischievous. You know, I, I, I like the idea that there are some things she would kind of blush at and there are some things she would sort of feel like, oh, you know, this is this is kind of filthy, but I kind of love it. But I also think that she would just be, you know, grabbing Daryl and pushing him into all kinds of things, not in like in a bad way, but like, this is so much fun. We're going to do this now. And it's going to be fun. And you're going to see how great it is. And he's like, oh, my God. OK. Uh, it's kind of like I mentioned with the daddy kink um, where he's like, oh, God, no. Oh, oh. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I, I see that happening in a lot of ways. And I, I think that she would just love going down on him. I think she would love sucking cock. And I think she would love it because she just throws herself so enthusiastically into anything that makes anybody happy. And she loves being good to people she cares about. And 
you know, when, when she figures out that this is a way to make Daryl feel great, I think that this is something she would just love to do. And I think she would do it every chance she got. And I think that he would really have a hard time getting that. But I, I love kind of writing that process of him being incredibly uncomfortable and having a really difficult time processing what's going on and then really falling into it and understanding why, why it feels so good for her and understanding that he can be selfish sexually not in a bad way but he can focus on himself and that's a good thing but i getting back to him going down on her i love the idea that he would be so nervous about it because he would want to get it so right and he would want to make her feel so good and also it's such an intimate thing you know uh, penetrative sex in anally or vaginally or however you're doing it is incredibly intimate but I think in terms of intimate acts, oral sex is about the closest you get to somebody. Because your your head, <laughs> your head is where all of your sensory organs are, except for, you know, except for your skin. And, you know, you're smelling, you're tasting, and, you know, you're, you're hearing things. And when you're, when you're going down on somebody, regardless of how you're doing it, and regardless of who you're going down on, if you really love this person or if you really care about this person and want to make them feel good, you are so close to their pleasure at that moment in a way that you're not when you're just fucking them. And I think that he would want that for that reason. I think that when he... I've talked about this too before. I think that one of the primary reasons he would have for wanting to have sex with Beth is just being as close to her as possible. It, It wouldn't even necessarily be, oh, yay, sex, I love sex. It would be more like... I love you. You are everything to me. I want to do everything I can to be close to you and make you feel good. And clearly this is a way of doing that, so I'm all in. And I, yeah, him going down on her, just a huge part of that. And when he gets into it and he gets past the nervousness and the angstiness, and having the nervousness and the angstiness is such an important part of this, you have to have it, otherwise you can't get past it. But getting past the nervous angstiness and, and him kind of discovering, I can do this, um, discovering all the different things he can do with his tongue, um, just, just discovering that this is a world of a, of a way in which he can make her feel good. I think that past the nervousness and the angst is just so much joy. And I, I, I love my sex angsty. And sometimes I love my sex disturbing, as you know if you've read some of my stuff. But I also, and I probably more than anything else, I love my sex joyful. Uh, I love it when it's joyful between these two characters. That's really important to me. And I feel like the angst and the nervousness are actually part of that. Because it means that when you get past it, it's so much more meaningful. Because you, you know, Daryl, when Daryl finds joy in sex, that's great because he had to struggle through something to get there. It's one of the reasons why I love Smut in this fandom. When, when he gets, especially him, both of them, but, but when he gets to a place where he's taking joy and sex and it, all the walls are down and there's no boundaries and he's just loving everything he's doing and he's just loving being with her and he's loving it when she does things to him, he's grown as a person. You know at that point that he's pushed past something psychologically and he's healed a little bit in a, a way that's really wonderful. And yeah, it's that's actually one of the reasons why I love the angst. You know, that's actually the, that's the first time I think I've really articulated that even to myself. That that's why I love the angst. I love it because you get to the point 
where there's no angst. And it's great. And it's it's just one more thing that I fucking love about this pairing and that I love in fic when it's written really well. It's it's like it's like nothing else I think I've ever really encountered in any other canon. I think it's one of the reasons why after 15, maybe even closer to 20 years, no, more like 15, I'm, I'm only 31, I've, I've fallen back into fandom in a big way. I thought I was done with fandom, and then suddenly here I am. And, I, you know, I, I, I have 62 fics written now. I took, a, I took a count this morning. I've written 62 fucking things in this fandom. A lot of them multi-chapter. Um, more than one over 100,000 words long. <laughs> This it's so easy, I think, to feel so strongly because of the emotion of these two characters. And of course, that's going to translate into sex in some wonderful ways. All right, I've been rambling for a while, so I'm going to move on. This is another comment. What uh, this person really likes to see. This uh, Okay, in my smut, frankly, BDSM and switching roles. I've kind of talked about that already, so I'm going to mostly skim over that. Emotion, emotional connection between partners. Absolutely. I just spent like 30 fucking minutes talking about why that's really important a sense of playfulness yeah this is i just mentioned how i really love heaviness and i think that heaviness between these two characters in terms of sex makes a lot of sense but i also just said that it's great when you come out on the other side and and you really get to the joy and it's not just i think about joy because joy can be heavy joy can be something that's almost kind of solemn there's Something, an, an idea that you find in some, some branches of Christian theology that I really love, and you find it in other places too. You know, Christianity is by no means the only group that has a corner on this. The idea of what actually joy means, and, and joy is not happiness. Joy is a more complicated concept than happiness. Happiness is, I think, in, in a lot of respects, just simple. Happiness is just, you know, you're happy. You're pleased with life in general. Joy is deeper. Joy is, it can be playful, it can be light, but I think it's also really heavy because joy is just, it's, it's your whole being is just so in it, is just so in existence and in the moment. And it's, it's, it's almost emotionally orgasmic. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I, I attach that word to sex so much. It's a few steps away from ecstasy. And I think joy can be so solemn, almost, because of the place it's coming from. So I think that that's, that is almost always going to be part of it with these two characters. If you're, if you're writing them, really trying to write them seriously in character and, in, and embedded within the dynamic on the show, which you absolutely don't have to do. But when it's done, I think that's kind of got to be part of it. But also, yeah, playfulness. And the playfulness, I think, is part of pushing past the angst. Um, laughter. During sex, I love writing that. I love reading it. Uh, I love I love when these characters kind of play fight. You know, I love when they're rolling around. I love when they're just they're just enjoying each other. And God, this is so sweet. It gives me so many feelings. Almost kind of the recovery of a childhood in some ways, and and the recovery of innocence. And innocence does not mean naivete. It, that's not what it means. And Innocence is also kind of a powerful, deep thing. And Beth is innocent in a way that has nothing to do with being naive. Beth is both innocent and wise. And that's going to translate to sex also. And I love scenarios where not only does Beth kind of help Daryl move past his anxiety and his 
fear regarding sex and regarding his own body and regarding what he can do with somebody else and what he can allow to be done to him. But, I mean, this guy didn't have a childhood. He was forced to grow up so early. And, I mean, I I forget exactly what the book, the subtitle of the book he picks up in... I'm sorry, I have so many feelings about it. In Consumed, when when he picks up the book... I mean, I forget the full thing, but but I know that pretty sure that the term interrupted life is in there. And that's what abuse can do. It can just sort of stop you at a particular point. And that's the case, I think, with Daryl. He, he both wasn't allowed to develop. He was arrested at a specific point and he was never allowed to move past it. And I think that's one of the reasons why emotionally he's actually very immature in some ways. But I think he was also forced to mature much too early. So he, he was, in both respects, robbed of a childhood. He, he had to shoot right past it. He didn't get to have one. He didn't get to be innocent in any way. And he also was stuck at a particular point developmentally, and he was never allowed to experience the things that we experience as children that help us to become healthy adults. And I think that one of the things about sex that's that when it works this way, it doesn't have to, but when it works this way is that's so great, is that you find that joy and you're just, you're, you're so deep and so intimate with another person and you're just, you know, you're just lost in pleasure with them and it's wonderful, is that you sort of shed all of the baggage that's been around and you find that innocence again because you're more of a pure person in that moment. And I love when it's written that he's sort of, in that playfulness and in that joy, he recovers a childhood with her. Yeah, he's fucking her. And, you know, they can be doing all kinds of things. He can be fingering her. You know, they can be going down on each other. It can be getting kind of messy and filthy. And, you know, it's something that we would look at and we would think, okay, that is just absolutely not innocent. But it is. And I love it. It makes me so happy and it gives me so many feelings. That's, I'm going to get to this in in a minute, um, but one of the things I asked people was, what would you like to see more of? Writers out there, you guys, which I think most, if not all of you are, please, please, please write that. It's already been done, but I love it. Please write more of it. You don't have to. Write angst, too, because I love that that too, but I'd, I'd write joyful sex. Write sex with laughing. It just makes me so happy. Okay, moving on. Strength in Beth as much as yielding in Daryl. Absolutely. Trust. Trust is so important with these two people. It's another thing where I think if it's not there, they're not really in character. And I think one of the things about trust between them in terms of sex that's so interesting, and it's it's something that I think that you see in any situation where this is written well, is that it's not actually so much about them trusting each other. I mean, it is. Beth needs to be able to trust Daryl, and Daryl needs to be able to trust that Beth won't hurt him before he can open up to her, which you already see that he's moving toward in canon, because he's been as raw and vulnerable as he can with her, and she hasn't hurt him. And I think that that was a revelation for him, because he'd never been like that with anybody, as far as we know. But one of the things that you see that is so important for this particular character is that he has to learn to trust himself. He has to learn that that he is a trustworthy person when it comes to being with somebody else in an intimate way. And I think that one of the reasons why this is so important is because he knows that he has an enormous capacity for cruelty. He knows he can be a very cruel person. He's guileless. You know, I can't see him manipulating anybody. It's not that he's stupid, but he's simple in that way, if that makes any sense. 
he wouldn't be manipulative to somebody. I, I can't. It's one of the reasons why I cannot see their relationship as predatory. I can't see him ever manipulating Beth ever, ever. It just wouldn't fucking happen. But he knows that he can be cruel. He knows it. He's been cruel. He's been incredibly cruel. The the real instances of person-to-person cruelty that don't have to do with villains on the show, I think you've seen the most intense scenes of that with him. He can be awful to people in ways that I actually don't think any of the other characters can be. Because, again, of his personality and and because of how he knows people so deeply and because of what he files away that he can use later if he decides to do so as ammunition. So he really has to learn to trust himself. And I think that that's really kind of the center of his healing. And that's one of the things that sex allows him to do so much because of of how intimate sex is. And that's actually the next thing in this comment. You know, I love seeing Daryl healed. I cannot see in character sex not being about healing for him. It just would be. Uh, But also, comment says Beth as well. And that's one of the things I love about certain kinds of post-Coda fix is that, you know, Beth, after having gone through a really traumatic experience, is hurt. She's wounded. And a relationship with him can also be about pulling her back to the light in a really important way. And that's great. Uh, Moving on. I asked people also what they don't like. And, you know, this is this is really interesting, I think, more than what you like, because I think that, you know, what what people like can be a very broad category. I think it is uh, for a lot of people. So, I mean, some people have very specific preferences, but but in terms of like, I think it's it's broad for most people. But what you don't like is really specific. And it's going to have a lot to do with a person's attitude about this in a really specific way uh, first comment uh, out of my smut too much edge play and using that term in a specific way uh, I like consensual non-consent and you know kind of kind of what that means and I'll talk about that in a minute uh, for anybody who isn't entirely sure you know it, it kind of this happens a lot in you know it happens all the time in, in, in certain kinds of BDSM where you're playing that this isn't consensual you know, you're kind of role-playing that this is something that is being done to you against your will. And, you know, because you're role-playing it and you know that you're safe, it's really sexy. And I think seeing that is fun. Partly because it's playful, or it can be. And also because it is it is a way, just like it is for these characters, it's a way to kind of go there in your head if, if, if Vic is almost acting as a by-proxy sexual fantasy for you, which I think, I mean, it is for me. It is, I think, for a number of other people. My, I mean, just to... I, I mentioned last time that TMI kind of isn't a thing right now. Uh, my sexual fantasies are smut. I mean, I, I have fantasies in other ways, but when I have a sexual fantasy, it becomes a fic. I mean, that's, that's what happens. If I have an idea that I think is hot, I write it. And then at that point, it becomes solid enough and visual enough that I can actually experience it. And the same is true whenever I read anybody else's stuff that I find hot. And so you're, you're experiencing this as a sexual fantasy with these characters. So when it's safe and hot and it's also kind of treading that edge of danger, you're experiencing it just the way they are. So I like consensual non-consent, but taking that a few steps further to rape, not my cup of tea, yeah. And that's, okay, that's, that's something I have a lot of feelings about right now for reasons I can't go into. And I can't go into them because it's a, 
I'm already kind of going into it some by just mentioning that it's a thing. There is a specific ongoing multi-chapter thing I'm writing right now that, for a number of reasons, is making me think a lot about this in some careful ways. Um, I think that there are two things with this pairing that are difficult, but not by any means impossible to write and have them be in character. And the first thing is, is these characters intentionally hurting each other. Uh, I think it can be done. I think it can be done really well. It's something that I've tried to do, and I think I've succeeded for the most part. I tried to do it in Safe Up Here With You, and I think that I really like that story, and I think that I did pretty well in that. But it's it's hard for me to imagine, in, a, in most circumstances, these two characters really trying to hurt each other. Um, because I, I just think, again, there's so much trust and there's so much love there in canon. But I think you could do it. I think if you if you take these two characters and you take them out of this context and you put them in a context where they're both in a really bad place and the situation is such that it encourages them to be in a bad place and it exacerbates that bad place, yeah, I think you can get them there. I think they can do it. And, and it is in character. So I think that's difficult to write, but it's possible. And the other thing that I think that goes along with that that's difficult to write, but not impossible is writing things where the consent is dubious so there actually is no consent at all. And that's actually, that's in Safe Up Here With You. Uh, not to spoil it for people who haven't read it. But yeah, there's there's a scene in there where Daryl does something to Beth and she has not given any kind of consent and she can't meaningfully give consent. And he knows it. And he does it anyway. And writing that was difficult. And I had to be very careful because I was like, okay, this guy would never do this. How do I make him do it? And it was tough. And it had to do with the fact that he was already in a terrible place. And so was she, it was like the worst possible situation. And in that situation, people are going to do things that they otherwise wouldn't necessarily be doing ever. But for the most part, I think that you, you can't, he just wouldn't do that. She wouldn't do it to him because yeah, women can rape men. It can absolutely happen. And, yeah, and, and, and here's the other thing about that. I think that it's, it's very taboo in our culture. We sexualize violence in a weird way, but it's also very taboo to find rape sexy. You know, we, we recognize, we have this weird kind of double standard where, where violent sex is something that we're supposed to find horrifying, but that violence is so sexualized and sex is made so violent in some ways but it's also kind of just embedded in the culture anyway. And it can be written in a way that it's really hot. And it can't, or, or that some people would find it. Some people just never could. And it can be something that can be erotic and it can be something that some people really get off on because rape fantasy is absolutely a thing. And there's a reason why you can role play non-consent and have that be something that's really enjoyable. But I have a very hard time reading something that isn't play and is actual sexual assault. And finding that hot, I just, with these two characters especially, I just think it can't not be incredibly disturbing. So for me, I think, personally, you could write it and it, it could work, but it wouldn't be smut. It wouldn't be hot. It would, it would just be horrifying. I, I, I personally, again, if you're going to have these characters be in character, I don't think there's any way you can write that and have it be sexy. It would just be awful. It would just be absolutely awful. I couldn't, I couldn't write it that way. If I wrote it that way, I would be writing it that way 
for it specifically to be horrifying, and I would play up the fact that it was horrifying. I honestly, how do you write rape and have it not be horrifying? I, I don't think you can. I just don't think it's possible. If you don't write it that way, you're getting into consensual non-consent. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated. It's not something that I want to read in my smut. It is something that I might want to read, though, because I think that you can do it in a way that it, it works and is interesting. So hard. I wouldn't recommend that most authors go there. It's, it's rape in general. I think people should avoid unless they're absolutely sure they can do it well. And I, a lot of people don't. But it can be done well. It can be done right. And I think that especially with how out of character it is for these two characters to do it, it might be incredibly interesting. But not in smut. Uh, back to comment. I haven't seen anything skidding into any toilet play. We're going to go right past that because we're not going to talk about that at fucking all. And uh, finally, I'm not a fan of fix involving either character playing mind games with the other. And this gets back to manipulation. I just don't think that I see that happening. I don't, I don't think that I see Daryl doing that, especially not when it comes to sex. But I also just don't think Beth would do that either. I think Beth is more capable of being manipulative, but I just don't see her doing it. Uh, unless, again, she's in a place where she's in such a bad situation. And this is a way in which it might work post-coda, where her personality has just been so strongly affected that she wouldn't be herself so much anymore. Yeah. Okay, moving on. This is another comment. Uh, sorry, don't hate on me for this one, but I hate Daddy Kink. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to hate on you. I'm not going to hate on you if you don't like Daddy Kink. Uh, I, I, I realized that when I started doing that heavily in Pacify, I probably lost some people. And I knew that was going to happen. And... I was a little sad about it, but I also was like, okay, A, I'm not going to be here forever. This is just something I'm exploring in the interim, and then I'm going to get out of it and go back to other things. Because, I mean, if nothing else, at some point, I run out of things to do with a specific thing, and I want to go do something else. But I also, you know, I was like, pacifies for me. I, I, I hope other people enjoy it. I really like writing it because it seems like a lot of people enjoy it, but it's for me, and I'm going to do what I want with it. And I, I fully went into that knowing that some people are going to hate it. Some people are going to be really disturbed by it and aren't going to want to follow me there. And so if you think that I think that somebody who doesn't, who, who not only doesn't like Daddy King, but is really, really squicked by it, if you think that I think there's something wrong with that, that's incorrect. Um, if anything, I'm kind of always a little bit surprised when people like it because it's something that I expect people to hate something I hated for a while. I was just really uncomfortable with it. Until, again, you know, Beth and Daryl did it, and suddenly I was looking at it from a different angle, and I was like, oh, okay. Okay. This actually, you know, this this does work. This is alright. So, yeah, it's... And, and there are some people who are going to be like, I don't care how well this is written. I don't care how good this author is. I'm just not going there with this person. And that's fine. You know, and it's fine if you're an author, by the way. And you want to go someplace that's weird at all, but especially if you want to go someplace sexual, because people's preferences are so strong when it comes to sex. If you want to go someplace uh, that people are upset by and don't like, and, and if they tell you that, that's okay. You know, it's okay for them not to like what you've written, and it's, it's okay for you to have written something that, that they don't like. You're never going to make everybody happy. And especially when you're talking about something like sex, you're, you're always going to have a significant number of people who aren't with you because it's just not their thing. That's fine. 
you don't like Daddy King? That's cool. And in fact, I understand for a lot of the reasons that I talked about when I was doing my Daddy King discussion in the last episode, a lot of reasons why I think those of us who like it, like it, are the exact same reasons that make other people who hate it, hate it. It just has to do with what angle you're coming at it from. So, yeah, no, it's, that's, that's fine. Like, you don't even really need to explain why you don't like it, because as I said, I think... I, I suspect very strongly that the the reasons that are at the core of this are the exact same reasons. It just has to do with how you personally react to it. Okay, what you want more of. This, this was an interesting question because I actually, as you'll see, I got two opposing answers in some ways that, that are, are kind of interesting. So this first comment says, I want Daryl going down on Beth more often. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I just already talked about why I fucking love that. Uh, I always feel like I need more of that. You know what? I, okay, I personally don't think you can ever have enough of that. I just think more of it is always a good thing. I don't think that I could reach a point where I was just, oh my god, Daryl, would you please stop licking her pussy? I'm bored now. No, no, just, you can do that forever and I won't get tired of it. Also, also, uh, comment again. I, I, I am so here with this. And, and they say it sounds weird, but I don't think it's weird at all. Just touching. Yes. Yes. And this is something that actually I've, I've noticed that visual porn is really devoid of. And I think it has to do with the fact that in most cases, ultimately you are watching something very mechanical. That the two people don't actually have any, you know, it's a job. They're at work. You're seeing them at work. And you're not seeing, even if they're having kind of a good time, you're not seeing a lot of emotion there in terms of connection with each other. It's so hot when you see them actually touching each other in ways that don't have anything to do with, you know, what they're actually doing in terms of sex acts at that moment. You know that two people are really into each other when they're just touching a lot. And that's true of writing as well. I think it's very easy to write smut that forgets that. Even if you're writing smut that in a lot of other respects is really well done, just touching any kind lots of touching i think that 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 touching as foreplay is something that i personally also don't think i see done enough i think that it's something that that you can always do more of and i think it's something that's very in character for both of these characters uh partly because i think that that daryl would have to be eased into things because i think he wouldn't go into things comfortably i think that touching is so great because you're really seeing a connection between the two characters in a deep way. Touching is also great. I mean, it's great because your skin is so sensitive. <laughs> and 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 physical sensation, not even just in terms of, you know, what we normally think of as the pleasure centers in your body. Physical sensation is so important. And it's so erotic and it's so much a part of what's going on. But also it's... But also it's about exploration. I mean, it's... Yeah, you can, you know, you can take off someone's clothes and fuck them and not really get to know their bodies. We think of, we think of fucking as so intimate, but I've already kind of talked about how going, I think personally going down on somebody is more intimate. Really exploring somebody's body with your hands and tongue and mouth and kinds of other things is, that has nothing to do necessarily with penetration or whatever else we would consider sex to be in that case. But it's, it's so important and it's so deep and it's so intimate, really getting to know somebody else's body. And I think that that would be so important for Daryl because, again, I think his relationship with his body is fucked up. And I think that allowing Beth to explore him physically would be so much of a thing that he would have to push past. And then when he gets to the other side of it, it's so great for him. 
it's something that he ends up taking so much joy in once he can kind of get there. And I've actually been wanting to write, and I haven't found it yet, actually. If you know of a fic that does this, that's really well written, and bear in mind that I'm kind of a prose snob, so it's really important to me that the prose at least be competent, if not beautiful. Really beautiful. I want my prose beautiful. If you know of a fic where primarily it's touching, and the sex is almost secondary, please share that with me. Because I really want to see it and I haven't seen it. And it's something I've wanted to write for a long time and I just haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, the, you know, there are things that are on my list that I just have not done because I keep getting distracted. I keep seeing I keep seeing smut squirrels run by and I have to go chase them. And I haven't yet done something where they're just touching. And aren't even... Like, she's not even necessarily touching his cock. Or he isn't necessarily touching her cunt. Or, or, or any... You know, he's, he's not touching her tits. He's not touching any part of her that we normally think of as the big sexual places. He's touching everywhere else, though. And she's touching everywhere else. And I would love to see a deep, written exploration of what that's like for these people. And I haven't seen it, and I haven't done it. So if you know of a, th- a thing that does that, please tell me. And if you are inclined to write it, please write it. That's kind of a challenge. I'm issuing you a challenge. Write that. And write it well. I mean, just just try. Just attempt it. Because I think that because it's so far outside what a lot of us do, it would be a wonderful exercise in kind of a cool way. In fact, you know what? You know what? I'm going to try and do that next week. It's not Bethel Smut Week anymore next week, but I'm going to try and do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm making that promise to myself. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to move on. And this this is this is the the comment that sort of <laughs> sort of directly contradicts the other one in a way. You know, it's not like I think either. I really want to be clear. It's not like I think either of these comments are silly. I just love that one is sort of directly countermanding the other, and and I love that because it sort of indicates again that people can be approaching this kind of thing from such different points of view. And I, I think that's great. And I think it's fascinating. And I love it. I love the diversity of opinions regarding smut. This person says, one thing I feel there is very little of in Bethel smut is Daryl kissing on Beth's breasts. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, I, I want to I spotlight that for a second. Anything with her breasts, I love. And I love it because... Okay, and this, this, is, this is weird. This is, this is very specific to me. And I totally understand that a lot of people might not share this. But, but it, it, is, it is something I have strong feelings about. And it, it, you know what? It's buying into kind of an unhealthy body thing for women in, in culture. But I think it's there. And I think that it's not unrealistic that Beth might kind of buy into it to some degree. Because, you know, yeah, she's very wise. But, you know, she's also embedded in toxic culture. And even those of us who are very, very smart and, and wise, because that doesn't necessarily have everything to do with being smart, uh, internalize this shit. The fact that her breasts are so small, the fact that she is, you know, quote unquote, flat chested. I think that that's one way in which you can write her having a difficult relationship with her body or, or you know, something about her body that she doesn't like so much or that, you know, she's a little self-conscious of. And I love writing that she loves her body. I love writing that she feels that really, as kind of a counterpoint to Daryl, she feels that her body is something she can take a lot of pleasure in, and she enjoys it, and she just enjoys it fully. But all of us, you know, even even those of us who you'd look at and go, oh my god, you're perfect, all of us have something about ourselves that we would change, 
we have something about ourselves that we don't like. And somebody else could look at it and be like, okay, not only do, do I think that's not bad, but that's something about you that I think is just, you know, mind-bendingly attractive. But we don't feel that way about it. And, you know, that's something that we have to get past. It's something we have to work to accept about ourselves. And I think that it makes sense and is interesting for Beth to feel self-conscious about the size of her breasts. And that's something that I allude to in a lot of my stuff if I don't actually write it directly. And it's something I haven't gone into deeply, but I'd love to. That she's self-conscious about it and that Daryl, because Daryl would love every part of her. He would just adore everything. Um, that that Daryl helps her get past. Which is, is this, you know, this... Excuse me a very minute. I think a cat wants to get up. And I'm not going to cut this in post-production. I'm just going to pick up the cat. Okay, now you might actually hear purring in addition to the space heater. Um, something that, that I, I really love the idea of is, you know, Daryl being the one to actually take this, this thing that she's self-conscious about and to be like, no, you know, this is amazing and I love it and you should not feel self-conscious about this at all. And one of the things that I think is part of that is, is him spending a lot of time on that particular part of her and really focusing on it in a way that has a lot to do with making her feel good and not just feel good physically but feel good about about that part of her body i love that i would love to see more of it i i agree that i don't think i see it enough and it's not that i think that authors zoom right by it but i just i would love to see more focus on that in fact that's something else i think i'm gonna write soon yeah that's interesting and in fact, it's interesting for the next thing I'm um, talk about. Uh, yeah, this person says he goes straight south, which, believe me, no complaints. And I mean, okay, like that's that's the one that goes directly against the one I was just reading. You know, this this particular person was is like, all right, you know, yeah, him going down on her immediately is fantastic, but I want to see more of this. I just mentioned, yeah, okay, I guess it doesn't actually go directly against it. It's just saying this is great, but I want to see more of this other thing. Yeah, you can't have enough oral sex from his part, but I also think that it is good to have more of this. Just like it's good to have more touching in general. And this is something I haven't written, and this is something I've never seen anybody else write. Not not exactly. I've, I wrote a lactation thing, which was sort of edging in this direction, but, but not exactly. Um, I happen to be someone who orgasms with nipple stimulation. I fucking hate you. God damn it. Oh, I hate people who can do that. It's awful. I just beat you with sticks. Uh, I happen to be someone who orgasms with nipple stimulation, so I personally would love to see that more in fix. Yeah, it's something I actually... You know what? I don't know if I've ever seen it. And it's not that I haven't ever seen it in writing. Of, of course I have. But not in this fandom. I haven't seen one... As far as I can remember, and my memory's shit. It's entirely possible that I have it. I'm just forgetting where Beth comes just from nipple stimulation. I'd love to see that. Because again, it's 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 hot. It's just hot. But it's also pleasure from a, a, a part of her that I think it makes sense that she might be a little self-conscious about. I think I'm going to write that. But you should too. We should all write that if we're inclined. We should just, we should just have this deluge of, of nipple stimulation orgasms. Let's have that happen. <laughs> oh my god, okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to see more of that. Okay, and, and finally, and, and this is something else that is kind of on my list and that I haven't hit yet. It is especially on my list now that I'm getting into uh, femdami stuff in Pacify. I'm surprised that I've yet to see pegging fix. 
yeah, you don't see that very much. And and I think it's weird that you don't see that very much because I think it makes so much sense for Daryl to be submissive. I mean, I, th- I think he just would be. It's, it's one of the reasons why I think femdom works so well. But you know what? I, I feel like femdom is actually not the default in this fandom either. It's, it's, it's very much the default for Beth to have a lot of agency. But in terms of formal femdom, I just don't think I see... That's not the majority of what it is. So there, I think it's a significant minority, but I don't think that's the majority. And it doesn't have to be. But given that Daryl, I think, is so naturally submissive, it you don't have a whole lot of that out there. I suspect one of the reasons why you don't have a whole lot of that out there is is that... And this is, <laughs> this is something I've actually struggled with a little bit. It's one of the reasons why I haven't yet written it and pacified, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I think it might be a little hard to locate a strap-on in the zombie apocalypse. Now, maybe it would actually very, be very easy to locate a strap-on in the zombie apocalypse because I have to think that there are some sex toy stores in Georgia, even semi-rural Georgia. I've been in rural areas where in the middle of fucking nowhere, there's just this little concrete building that is advertising videos and novelties, and you know it's in there. It's, it's usually in the middle of nowhere. It's, on, it's out on some country road. You know that there is one. And especially if you're writing it in... The uh, the safe zone. I mean, that's okay. You know what? You're like you're you're 20 minutes from not even 20 minutes. You're really near DC. I actually don't know how far it is. I I, I don't go to Alexandria very much, um, but I do live in the DC metro area. It, you you I they, there's got to be something nearby, and then it, I've written that you know they've been able to find lube, but it's the zombie apocalypse. So I don't think that the strap-ons are going to be the first things people loot. I could be wrong about that, but I somehow feel like that's not going to be the priority. Uh, I think I think medication and guns, probably slightly more of a thing. So maybe there are strap-ons for the taking. Maybe it's not an issue. Uh, but I've, I've had a hard time thinking of a way to have a strap-on that isn't extraordinarily convenient. Although, no, I actually had an, a, an actual dildo show up in my Brickle thing. But... Uh, Beth did do some anal play at one point with Daryl in, like, one of the previous Daddy Kink things I've written. I wrote Femdom Daddy Kink. I will never not be proud of that. She did some anal play with him, but she was using a makeshift sex toy. It wasn't actually a dildo. I haven't yet written him being pegged by her, and I would love to write that because it would be hot, but also because it's another one of the situations where I feel like the emotions would be powerful. Um, I, I totally get pegging is not for everybody, obviously, because nothing is for everybody. But I feel like it'd be so interesting because Daryl is Daryl. And I, I think I think Daryl has deep feelings about powerlessness and submission and what it really means. Oh, fuck. Oh, oh, fuck. You know what? You know why else it would be great? And And this is something that I feel like people really play up in a way that I, I wonder if it's entirely in character, actually. We know that Daryl is not comfortable being touched. We know that he's... Or we, we don't know, but we have reason to suspect that he's not comfortable with people seeing a whole lot of his body. I think it's reasonable that he would have self-esteem issues with his body. But I also think that we have not a tremendous amount of canon evidence that he has specific problems with his back scars. Uh, he, he clearly didn't want Merle to see them. And Merle seeing them was clearly very upsetting to him. But I think it's possible. 
And I, I, I almost always write the scars being an issue. So it's not that I don't think that this works. And it's not that I don't think that it's, it's you know, very likely. But I think it's possible that that was just Merle. And that he would have less of an issue with other people seeing it. But, you know, I, I think it's reasonable that he would because of what they are and why they're there. And admitting that somebody abused you is, is, a, is a very difficult thing. Because, especially if you're a man, because of what it means in terms of gender and masculinity, that somebody could do that to you. And we've already seen, because Daryl picked up the fucking book, that he is at a point now where he is framing what happened to him. And this is so important. He is framing what happened to him explicitly in terms of abuse. He thinks of what happened to him as abuse. He thinks of himself as an abuse survivor. That's huge. So he's gotten that far. But... You know, him understanding what happened to him and processing what happened to him in terms of his back is a big thing. A lot of people write it that way. Um, I don't think I've actually ever read a fic that involved the back scars that didn't have it be a thing. Where it wasn't kind of a big moment for him. So, getting back to pegging. (laughs) Why I think that would be cool to write is that his back is so exposed to her. And I, I I think that... I mean, especially if I was writing it in Pacify, he's already, she knows all of him and he's past the scars. But I think that if you wanted to write it in another context, if you could make it work, him being so exposed in that way also would be big. So that's something else I'm challenging you. I'm issuing another challenge. Write that. Because I think that would be really cool. And I think that there are people in this fandom who could just do an amazing job with that. Um, Very few just anal sex fix, getting back to this, like Shuzi's play with me. Yeah, I've actually written one. I've written a couple. Uh, one of them is is Brickle and it's double penetration, which, you know, Brickle is not a lot of people's thing. Double penetration is not a lot of people's thing, but I did write it. It's in Till You Fill It With Me. But the other all anal sex one I've written was in Pacify 2, but that's a daddy kink one. And I, I, I loved combining those two things, but if you don't like daddy kink, clearly you're not going to read that. But I enjoyed writing it. And, and it's, that's another thing that's kind of weird. It's, I've had a very hard time. It's not that I don't love anal sex. I love writing it. I just love it in general. Um, I don't think that it's a bad thing or a gross thing or a difficult thing. You know, I think it's great. But for some reason, it's been hard for me to write it in this pairing. And I'm not entirely sure why that is. I've been wanting to write more of it. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen a whole lot of it. Back to the comment. Uh, also, I've seen very few MFF threesomes in the Bethel pairing, which I would love to see and read. I can guess why that is, but it's still something I would love to see more of. Yeah. Yeah. That's super interesting because of what it says about dynamics. I've sort of toyed with the idea, and, and the conclusion that I came to was that that's one of the few things that I'm not ruling out writing. It's not that I don't think it's possible for me to write it, but I don't think that that's a place I'm particularly inclined to go because not again that I have any problem with the idea of that I think it's a I think it's hot as fuck um I mean I think threesomes are great I think group sex is great in general I think it's 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 fantastic if everybody's having a great time I mean I I got to I got to a point where I could write Brickle fucking shit portmanteaus. I got to a point where I could write Rick and, and Daryl and Beth together, and I thought it worked, and I thought it made sense. It was a little hard for me to get there, because I feel so much like it, again, if you're if you're being really kind of draconian with the end character, that 
and this a lot of this has to do with my headcanon of Daryl being asexual, of Daryl being demisexual. I think that he is by nature so monogamous. And, it, it, and believe me, I'm not saying that demisexual people are all monogamous. I'm just saying that I feel like for him, that's that's kind of the case. Uh, you know, if he's one of these birds who mates for life, then it's just Beth. It's just Beth forever. Or, or you know, equal opportunity shipping for a second, whoever you put him with. But clearly, it's it's going to be Beth for us. It's I have a very hard time seeing him with, with more than one person I, at once. I just don't. It's very hard for me to, to imagine that, but I, I think I, I think it does work. I've I've read stuff I fucking love that has that work really well, uh, Rick and Daryl and Beth. But one of the reasons why I think it works so well is that it's one of the reasons why, although it's not something that I see in canon and it's not something that I honestly want to see in canon, it's just it's not something I want. It's not a place I want the writing to go, but. I love writing Rick and Daryl together. It's it's not something I've written a lot of. It's something I would like to write more of. It's it's a dynamic that interests me. But Daryl has such an intense bond with Rick. And if you're writing uh, him as somebody who, who just is not interested in sex with anybody who he doesn't have a strong emotional bond with, you can put him with Rick and it makes sense for him as, as a character in canon. It, it does. And it's fascinating. And there are all kinds of dynamic reasons why that is problematic and also really sexy. And, and, and Rick and Beth have a relationship that I think is really deep and really interesting that you don't see enough of in canon. Uh, but I think it, it makes sense for their relationship to be really close. And you, you do get a little bit of an indication in season three that she might have a little bit of a crush on him. And uh, I think, as an Andrew Lincoln... No, yeah, a- Andy, Andy said that he wanted that. I remember that now. Fuck, Andrew. Yeah, he said that, you know, he liked that idea of that storyline. And it's so fucking cute. And and yeah, you know, I, I've also written just, just, just Rick and Beth. And I think that that also can totally work. I, clearly, I don't like it as much, but I do like it and I think it can work. So I think that the relationship with these three characters makes that make sense. That pairing. Threesome. But I think that if we're talking about another woman... I think that's I think that's a fascinating idea, partly because I think that it puts Beth in a different place than she's often put. It's my head canon, and it's just my head canon. And this could you know I think you can write Beth in a way that's in character where this is absolutely not the case. But it's my personal head canon, and it's how I tend to write her, where she is straight as an arrow. You know, it's it's not that she would be entirely averse to doing something, but I just you know I I, I don't write her as having any interest in women at all. It's just not what I do. But I think that if you write that, then you're putting her in an, in an interesting place for a number of different reasons. But I have a very hard time thinking of, of Daryl doing it. And, and I'm not in t- I know some of why that is, but I'm also not entirely sure of some other reasons. That's, that's a, a, a feeling of mine that I haven't really explored the depths of. But yeah, I haven't seen it very much. I don't know that I would like personally to see it in that it's something that I get off on that I want more of, but I guess I would like to see some really skilled authors attempting it because I think that it's one of those things that's incredibly hard to do well. I think it can be done well, but I think it would just be unbelievably difficult to really do it well. But I think that it's something that if you can pull off would be not just hot, but interesting. And 
you know, if you're really going to do deep character work with sex, which I think, once again, I think you absolutely should, and I think it naturally lends itself to that. If you're going to do deep character work with sex, that pushes Daryl into some interesting places. Uh, more interesting places, I think, than pairing him up with another man, although clearly that's putting him in another interesting place. Yeah, I would like to see more of that just because I think it's interesting. And, yeah, that's another challenge I'm issuing. If you want to try that, or if you think you might even be able to, give that a, give that a shot. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be into that. Alright, I'm going to get to the reading now. Again, it's Just Like a Stranger, Just Like I Am by Dear Girl in Open Hearts. Uh, I love co-written stuff. I, I think that I don't see a whole lot of it, and I think it's always kind of interesting when two people come together and collaborate on something. My, here's me again, uh, my, my first novel was a co-written novel, and, and doing that was an interesting experience. I don't know if I would do it again. But I love seeing when things are co-written. It's just cool. So this is another canon divergence. Canon divergent from alone. Beth does not get kidnapped. Uh, she makes it out of the house. Uh, he makes it out of the house, and they keep running. And things ensue. Uh, again, just like a stranger, just like I am. By Deary Girl and Open Hearts. In the first three days after they leave the funeral home, they don't talk much. They run. Away from the train tracks, the sun at their backs. Beth feels worn, ragged, her entire body useless, like the entire weight of the past few years is pressing in on her, slowly, like a vice. But they keep running. It's not until they stop, gasping for breath, lungs burning, legs shaking, in a clearing of trees where there's a good 360-degree sightline to spot anyone or anything on their trail, that Beth notices the leaves. She drops to her knees, hands pressed to her thighs, and her chin tucked down against her chest. Each breath seems to fill her with an even deeper exhaustion that flows into her muscles like a liquid warmth, and she couldn't even summon the energy to raise her arms above her head if she wanted to. Her eyes close, and everything gets quieter, slower, until she jerks her head back up and blinks. Daryl's leaning sagged against a tree, his bow propped against his leg, and he watches her with the same steady gaze she's found herself trapped in ever since he found her. She looks away. The ground is covered in a thick layer of golden leaves, some tinged a fiery red. They've been crunching under their boots all day as they've run through these woods, maybe even longer than that, maybe before, and it startles her because she can't remember when she stopped noticing things like that, the changing of the seasons happening all around them. She's not even sure what month it is, if it matters anymore, if children like Judith will count the days the same way, looking forward to weekends and summer vacations, tomorrow even, with any amount of assurance. There's movement in her peripheral vision, and Beth steadies herself, wiping her hands on her thighs and then rising back to her feet. Daryl is slinging his crossbow back over his shoulder, and she lets her eyes meet his again. Just a little further. She nods. They stop again long after the sun's gone down and the half-moon is rising above the tree line. A crisp wind whispers through the woods around them, but they don't dare risk a fire and Beth shivers as she hunches in on herself on the cold ground under the poncho Daryl had draped over her before settling with his back against a tree. He's watching her through the darkness again. She can see the glint of moonlight in his pupils. She wants to tell him to sleep, wonders when the last time he stopped and rested was, if it was back at the house the night they slept on the bed in one of the rooms upstairs, in an unspoken decision not to be separated. They'd been careful not to touch each other then. Beth curled stiffly on her side while Daryl laid on his back. But she'd felt his eyes on her then, too, 
warming her in the same way. Beth sits up, tugging the poncho from around her shoulders, scooting toward him and crawling onto his lap without preamble, and settling with her cheek pressed to the cool leather of his vest against his chest. He stiffens, holding his arms out, slightly away from his body, like he's not sure where they're supposed to go now. But Beth only rearranges the poncho to cover him, too, then tips her head up so that it's tucked under his chin. He relaxes after a moment, draping one arm around her back with his hand resting at her hip. His lips brush just barely along her forehead. Beth closes her eyes. Before long, she opens them again, body and mind racing with anticipation and energy, even though she's so tired her eyes feel coated with sand. She shifts, and Daryl turns more steely beneath her, his body so rigid and tense that he's barely breathing. She sighs and tries to settle back down, but she can't. Can't quell the looming urge to feel him move beneath her. She shifts slightly, reaches one hand out to run down his arm to his wrist, and then slide her fingers along his palm. His fingers twitch and close around hers, and it's awkward, but she likes the feel of their hands together. She whispers his name and tips her head up, chin resting on his shoulder. He mm's questioningly and squeezes her fingers. Beth lets her parted mouth brush his throat, up to the side of his chin, and when he inhales, she changes direction and places a row of barely kisses along his jaw. His fingers squeeze hers again, pressing her nails into his palm, and she can feel the breath in his chest against hers caught like a sob. She traces his pulse point with the tip of her nose before shifting on his lap, and he swallows thickly. Can't be doing this. Doing what? Her lips drag lightly along his ear, and he shifts away slightly. Beth. She'd heard him say her name maybe five times before they ran from the prison together, and suddenly now he says it in a thousand different colors and timbers and notes. Why? Her voice isn't a whisper anymore, now a low, broken demand. She hadn't been wrong about what she thought he'd meant to say as she wrote that thank you note back at the house. She knows she hadn't been wrong, as a new awareness dawned over all his frequent casual touches and the warmth and weight of his gaze on her. Wouldn't be right. He sounds utterly unconvinced himself, and that's what makes her mad. She sighs and sits back. She's straddling his lap, her hands now limp on his chest. She lets her head fall backward and sighs, stares upwards at the inky black night and the flickering edges of leaves moving in the cold wind for a long beat. He shifts just slightly under her, his hands still on her knees. Daryl. She tilts her head slowly back toward him, rolling her neck languidly. She knows he's watching her. I don't even know how old I am anymore. She looks at him again, head on. His gaze slides away. I kept track for a while, and we still had the farm. But when we left, when it was just the group of us traveling, I lost track. Axel asked how old I was once. I told him 17. But I didn't know if I still was. Did he ever... No, she assures impatiently. She flattens her hands on his chest and runs them up, reveling in the slide of her palms across his collarbones, curling her fingertips into the slight give of the strong muscles of his shoulders. My birthday is June 16th, and the last June 16th I remember, Mama said it was my golden birthday. 16 on the 16th. She made me a cake with gold sugar sprinkles all over. Daryl huffs out something like a laugh, but it's gentle. Kind. I'm not 16 anymore, she says softly. I'm not anything. Don't say that. You're not either. When was your last birthday? Last one I got a fucking gold shiny cake. She laughs in spite of herself. The anger's gone out of her, replaced with a tenderness so ready for what he'll reveal. And she knows he will, 
knows he'll tell her, and it will be the truth, and it will be something that likely no one else left in the world knows, that her chest aches before he even speaks. Last one you knew was coming, she clarifies softly. Last one you remember something good happened that made it feel special. Daryl meets her gaze again and watches her for a second. Fourteen. Her eyes flash with sadness, but it turns quickly with the curve of her mouth. Daryl Dixon, she exclaims under her breath. The smile on her face is conspiratorial, teasing. She leans in slowly, reaching up to place her hands on either side of his jaw. I'm a cradle robber. He smiles, impatient at her levity, but unmoving. His hands are heavy and tight on her legs. She leans in the last few inches to catch his lips briefly with hers, parting to sit up and scoot just slightly closer. He tilts his chin up the second time and meets her halfway, a soft, fast brush that's barely wet before he looks down. His hands flex over her jeans. When their eyes meet again, there's a wash of nervousness, shock, and anticipation over her face, and her next soft breath comes out in a mew of surprise when he rakes her closer with one arm hooked around her hips and buries the other hand in her hair, bringing her in fast for a third time. Her slim fingers clasp around the back of his neck when he licks into her mouth, and her grip is tight, clenched, like her knees bracketing his hips where the hilt of a knife digs annoyingly. The dark holds them tight against their chosen tree trunk. The two of them curl together amongst the brush, traded whispers whisked away into the breeze. When she sleeps that night, his arms are heavy and warm around her, his heart punching at the backs of his ribs against her cheek. Smells like rain. Beth slides a glance over at him, one of those looks on her face like she's appraising him, surprised at what she finds. But she's smiling like they've just shared a secret, some inside joke he knows nothing about. I said it smelled like rain, he grumbles. Don't look at me like I'm about to start composing some fucking poem about the trees. She shakes her head, continuing on in front of him, and Daryl watches her go, adjusts the bow strap across his chest and follows. When the skies open up over their heads, Beth laughs, holds her hands palm up in front of her. You were right. The heavy drops of rain fall cool on their skin, streaking through the layers of dirt and blood on their arms and faces. Daryl tilts his chin up and shakes his hair back, opens his mouth to catch raindrops on his tongue and roll them back to his parched throat. Beth stumbles forward, slipping over the slick grass as they start to run, and Daryl reaches out for her, his hand curling around her upper arm to steady her. The rain falls heavier now, coming down in sheets, making it hard to see and soaking through each layer of their clothes to the skin. You want to let up for about five seconds? Daryl yells up at the sky. It's another shack surrounded by litter and half overgrown by vines and weeds. It's perfect. They do a quick sweep of one room with a big storage closet and a bathroom, then cover the windows. Beth is shivering can feel the cold seeping under her skin to the bone, and as Daryl secures the door, Beth drops her pack on the floor and starts to peel her shirt up and off over her head. The air hits the bare, damp skin of her stomach, and she inhales on a shaky breath. Daryl looks at her, then looks away quickly. Fuck are you doing? I'm freezing. Besides, it's nothing you can't see anyway with my shirt all wet like this. She gets the shirt free of her ponytail and wrings it out, drapes it over a chair in the corner to dry. When she looks up, Daryl's eyes are on her, his dark gaze meeting hers and then sliding quickly down her body to the simple white bra, pale, slim torso, jeans hanging heavy and sodden on her hips, and away again. He looks out at the grimy window, glaring at the muddy single lane in a T-intersection with a pothole-riddled road that points to the house's barely discernible driveway set into the tree line. Don't get too comfortable, 
not secure here. I'm not comfortable, she grumbles, as she pulls off her holster and then her belt. She sees it when he gets a rush of chills and shivers jerkily, trying to hide it and failing. Her sigh has a little bit of a laugh in it. I'm gonna get sick. She steps up to him and starts to push his vest off his shoulders, but he wiggles away from her and bats her hands down. Stop that. Beth shakes her head slowly, her eyes almost chastising, and she moves her hands down to the buttons of his shirt, starting with the bottom one. He makes a twitchy move away from her. He makes a twitchy move away from her, droplets of water flying from the ends of his hair, but doesn't brush her away this time. Just watches her fingers as they carefully and methodically slip each button loose. This place is secure as it's going to get. We haven't seen sign of another person for days now. Doesn't mean come sleep with me. His face pales at the same time his eyes flicker dark like graphite, and Beth smiles softly, breathing out a little laugh at herself. I mean, come lay down so we can get warm. Daryl barely raises an eyebrow, and Beth rolls her eyes, done with the buttons and slipping her hands against his chest. You know what I mean. Come on. She tugs at his hips. A flashing shock of heat through her belly when he lets her pull him along, steps matching hers carefully as she walks backwards across the small space to the bed. The backs of her knees brush the old musty quilt, and she kicks off her boots before she lets go of Daryl to undo her jeans with shaking fingers. She leans to one side to peel the jeans down her legs, and when she stands to step out of them, Daryl lets out a breathy grunt that sounds like abandon, and then he's kissing her, mouth hot and dry against her lips, fingers digging into the flesh of her hips. She's more than a little shocked, still shivering at the cold air all along her back, and Daryl's sudden movement sends her toppling back to the bed and pulling him with her. Part of her thinks it'll stop them. She'll laugh and pull away, but he crawls over her, and she finds herself scrambling back along with him, desperately trying to keep her mouth on his as they move. She's barely used to kissing him, and his rough fingers are already twisting at the stretched-out elastic of her underwear, and her belly aches deep and low. She has a fleeting thought that she's not ready, not ready for this, now, with him, but she knew what she meant when she put her hands on his bare skin. She knew what was about to happen even though saying it seemed dangerous, like the breath it would take to speak the words aloud would extinguish the small flame now blazing, covering her skin everywhere his hands and chest are touching. She's gotten used to pulling him along with words, or actions, dragging the anchor of him with her, and now, now his hips are spreading her thighs. His mouth is open to hers. The whole of him is pressing her down on this rickety bed, with the rain pounding the other side of the wall. And when she tries to voice it, it comes out as just his name. Daryl. As wanting as her fingers on the skin of his back when she pushed off his shirt and vest in one. He shrugs her hands off his upper back, and she lets him, lets them both ignore the thick slashes there, and slips her fingertips under the waistband of his pants at his lower back, where the muscles dance under his skin with every rut of his hips against her. He's still plucking at her underwear almost nervously tugging on it, so his fingertips keep brushing underneath until she whines and jerks her hips at his hand, and he's pulling her underwear roughly down her legs. When he sinks into her, his eyes fly open, mouth caught parted around a breath, her knees gripped at his ribs, and he buries his face in her shoulder so she barely hears his lost, weak voice. Fuck. Fuck. Beth. Yes, she murmurs at his ear, groaning when he moves. Already as close to coming as she's been since they got blankets to cover their cell doors at the prison. He's rough and slow, drawing out far so she can feel the head of his cock at her entrance every time. Yes, yes, she whimpers, and it spurs him on, makes him thrust in deep and fast, and she gasps and digs her nails into his skin. 
She wants to keep talking, wants to take some control of every fleeting thought falling through her head and shape it into something she might remember. But she bucks her hips up with his next thrust, and then she's coming, slow and long and biting into his shoulder. His skin is salty and grimy, tugging through her teeth when he jolts back at the pain. She squeezes her eyes shut and tips her head back as her orgasm blooms out from her middle, vaguely aware of him swearing, pouring out profanities with his mouth at her throat and his eyelashes wet against her jaw. He fucks her hard through the end of it, and she's just twitching with aftershocks when he comes. He rolls just enough to the side that he's not entirely on top of her when he collapses to the bed. Daryl is warm and they're both slick with rain and sweat, and her thighs are wet with cum and he's limp beside her, heaving each breath out like he's just been pulled up from drowning. Their skin pebbles up with goosebumps as they lay breathing quietly, and Beth reaches an arm out from their tangle of limbs to tug the quilt over them as best she can. She doesn't know what to say when his eyes slit open and meet hers, so she just crawls under his arm again and tucks her nose and mouth against his collarbone. We didn't sleep, he mumbles, Adam's apple bobbing in his throat. I'm warmer, she shrugs. She smiles to herself at his <sighs> of a laugh. She tucks a hand against his chest between them and curls her toes in the sheets, wriggling just a little to feel the friction of the blanket against her bare skin. It's January 6th, he says suddenly. She's confused for a moment, then she smiles. Happy birthday. You don't know what day it is, he mutters, rolling to his back away from her and stretching deeply with his arms over his head. You don't know what day it isn't, Beth counters. He watches her for a moment, glancing into her eyes and then away as he sits up and grabs his shirt to shrug back into it. Beth tugs the blanket up and lays there on her side, listening to the rain. Okay, yeah, hope you enjoy that. I really like reading porn. <laughs> oh god, I know, I know, but I really like reading porn. Uh, the next thing I read will not be porn. Uh, I, I feel like a change of pace, as much as I enjoy porn. The next episode of the podcast, I'm not sure exactly when I'm going to record it, it's probably going to be close to the end of the month. Just so you all know, and please be thinking about this, and please, 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 please send me stuff, because I depend on you guys a huge amount for content. Like, I feel kind of bad saying this, but... Uh, if I'm just talking about me, I mean, I love that. Don't get me wrong. I would fucking do that. I would have a sunny podcast, but I don't think somehow that that would actually have a whole lot of appeal. So I really depend on you guys to like send me stuff. And what you send me is entirely up to you. Uh, send me meta requests if you want. I'm, I'm still considering making meta like a regular part of the show to the extent that people are interested in that. But, you know, send me anything. Uh, send me questions, send me comments. Like I said in the last episode, I kind of conceive of this almost as a fandom inbox, even though, I mean, I, I'm a little constrained by me being the one responding to stuff, so a lot of what I say is just my opinion. But yeah, send me things. And the next episode is going to be focused entirely around writing. So I'm interested in things like, uh, what's your process, if you're a writer? Um, what kinds of stuff do you struggle with? What are some things that you're especially proud of doing? Uh, what are some things that you really want to do more of? What fix do you think are your best? I mean, you, people I think feel kind of bad about wrecking themselves, but fucking wreck yourself. I do it, and, and I feel like shit, but I still do it. You know, tell, tell me what fix you think are your best and why. 
you know, tell, tell me if you were going to recommend your own stuff to somebody and be like, here, here is my best thing. Here is what I feel is most representative of me. Here's what I would like you guys to go read. Uh, tell me what they are. You know, one or two. Come at me. You know, stuff, stuff that you do that you find helps you write. Uh, stuff that gives you a lot of inspiration. Uh, what you do when you're blocked up, because, I mean, that's something that we all deal with, and uh, it's it's really hard to push past sometimes. Just anything related to the process of writing. Because I think most of you do. You know, even if you don't actually post stuff, I think most of us write. So yeah, we're going to talk about that. So be thinking about that. Um, just a reminder, we have a website, one that I still haven't done as much fiddling with as I'd like, but I'm going to be trying to update it. Uh, one of the things I'm trying to update it with are giant lists of FICREX. A lot of you have them. I don't have time to go hunt them all down. So if you have a list of FICREX, please, please send me a link to it, and I'll put it up on the website. I mean, this is a fandom podcast, and I am, you know, hoping that the show will give us some more to talk about. But right now, primarily what it is about is fic. I'd love to talk about art, but it's a little tough to talk about art when what you have to work with is words. But yes, FICREX... Always send those in because I want to keep making those a regular feature. So the site is keepsingingpodcast.wordpress.com. All one word. So yeah, I'm going to say goodbye to you until next time. And like I said, send me comments. I love doing this. Help me make it better. And yeah, I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.